Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is September 1st, 2020, which means I'm on day 262 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Well, folks, yesterday the Padres beat the Colorado Rockies 6-0 and then made some trades. Actually, they made some trades earlier in the day that truly surprised me. Big moves for San Diego, prepping for what they expect to be a run for the World Series. And I could not be more proud of this organization. However, it did blow my mind that the day before yesterday, Josh Naylor smashed a 400-something-foot home run, and the very next morning, the Padres traded him. Now, most likely, trades like that, they were in the minds of the owners already before the, the day comes. You know, before the morning of the trades, they had it in their minds. And so I'm certain that this had nothing to do with his performance, Because if it did, he would clearly still be on the team. But here are some players that the Padres traded away. They traded Austin Hedges, Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, Gabriel Arias, and a few minor leaguers I've never heard of. So for the most part, the Padres did not get rid of a whole lot. They didn't lose any major players from their organization. They still got Manny Machado. They still have Fernando Tatis Jr., Jake Cronenworth, Will Myers, Eric Hosmer. I mean, their team is still stacked to the brim. And who did they acquire? Right-hander Mike Clevinger. Yes, and Greg Allen. This is a great couple of dudes to acquire before an important part of the season where we will truly see if the Padres can do something in the playoffs in a format that they haven't been in for a decade. That is both sad and exciting because the Padres now have a chance to prove the haters wrong. I'm one of those haters. When I first moved here, not only did the Padres suck, but so did the Chargers who moved to Los Angeles eventually. So my hope is that the Padres can get the citizens of San Diego into it a little bit more so that we don't have a worry in the next 10 years that the team's going to go to a city that actually cares about sports because clearly this one does not. Yesterday, I drove up to Los Angeles to visit some friends of mine, two of my favorite people in the entire world. Love these people. They live in Venice Beach. I don't know if they want me to talk about them, so I'm not going to say their names. But I went to go visit them, and it was a fantastic time swimming in the beach in Santa Monica. But you know what wasn't a fantastic time? Driving from their house to Castake Lake up in the hills only to find out that you can't swim there. Yeah, that's right. A massive lake 
with a little lagoon next to it that even has areas where lifeguards are usually sitting there letting people swim, enjoy themselves in the summertime. But instead of that, there were firemen living on the grounds of the lagoon that typically people swim on because of the fires in the areas, which meant there was no lifeguards on duty, which meant there was no swimming allowed, which meant that we drove all the way up there for absolutely nothing. Now, I must say, if I ever had a bucket list checkoff, it would be to have a boat at Castake Lake and roll around that area because it was beautiful. I mean, top notch. But if you don't have a boat, I don't recommend it. It's all the way past Six Flags Magic Mountain and Hurricane Harbor, which some of you may be familiar with. I've never been there personally. I've always wanted to. The rides look awesome. However, seeing it deserted as it was because of the COVID BS when we drove by was just a sad sight to see. I mean, so many millions of dollars worth of work and effort and years worth of hard labor to build these massive amusement parks and then to have them sit there idle because of a pandemic that really doesn't even kill anybody. This is embarrassing. It was sad to see and it was a waste of time to go to Castake Lake. Don't go up there if you think you're going to swim. And I had a blast in L.A. Other than that, I, I absolutely love Los Angeles. I do. I love being there, hanging out there. I really never get stuck in bad traffic like everybody talks about. I mean, right now, obviously, there's less people on the road. A lot of people are still out of work, you know, sitting at home, quarantining because they're afraid or they are sick with COVID if it is real and just getting over it because most people don't die. But either way, I, I I love it up there, but I still hate the Lakers. Don't get it twisted. I hate them, and I certainly hope they get destroyed by the Rockets. Celtics-Raptors game two. Today at 2.30, nobody cares. But at 5.30, the Denver Nuggets take on the Utah Jazz for the deciding game in a 3-3 tied-up series that has been an absolute shootout between Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz and Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets. I'm telling you, this will surely be a historical basketball game. If you don't care about either of these teams, I personally really don't. Still, put on this game to see a an amazing Display of offense between two of the best point guards in the NBA. I'm telling you, these guys are unstoppable. Jamal Murray put up 42, 50, and 41. I can't even believe this kid is so young and so good in the playoffs. The first person to put up 40 in three playoff games in a row, 40 or more, since Allen Iverson... And before that, Michael Jordan. That's a pretty good stat to have. When you're being held up to the same level as AI and MJ, I mean, that is amazing. This guy is truly a spectacular basketball player. He's something to watch tonight at 5.30. Watch this game. Donovan Mitchell, he is not one to be taken lightly either. This guy is seriously 
the identical twin of Jamal Murray. Maybe he hasn't put up 40 or more in three games in a row, but he has worked. He is the workhorse of the Utah Jazz. Who else do they have? Rudy Gobert? Garbage. The rest of their team's nobody, but Donovan Mitchell is a force to be reckoned with, and this game will be a shootout between him and Jamal Murray, guaranteed. Check it out at 5.30 p.m. this evening on ABC. Now, I've seen some people that are dedicated to getting education. I mean, I myself have ridden a bus to a Max station and ridden a Max to another bus stop and ridden that bus all the way to school. And then after school each day, I would work at Burger King. I've done it all. I've been dedicated to go to school. But there's a different type of dedication when you're a child who goes to Taco Bell to get free Wi-Fi and continue your Zoom school just like this young person did here in California who struck the nerve of a teacher so much, this made them so proud at the fact that this individual was willing to go to a Taco Bell, which absolutely has the worst food ever, so I hope they weren't taking their lunch break there, but maybe they were just using the free Wi-Fi. I respect them for this. To be in school to the point where the school created a hotspot, a Wi-Fi hotspot, specifically for this individual, so they no longer had to go to the crappiest, most trashy restaurant of all time, which I sadly sometimes eat at when I'm drunk at night, Taco Bell. I mean, that's true blue dedication. I can't say enough about this person. They are just an inspiration. I've been complaining about my kid and which room she'll be in, which could be the quietest for her to be on the Zoom meeting. Perfect Wi-Fi in my house, no matter what. I got, you know, Cox panoramic Wi-Fi. Overpriced crap that is useless in two of the four rooms of my house. But for the room that she is in when she is doing her schooling, it's perfect and it works out. She doesn't have to go to Taco Bell, thank God. But this kid that went to Taco Bell to go to school, uh, it doesn't even sound right saying that. Like, what kind of sick and twisted world do we live in? Oh, you're going to school today? Yeah, I'm going to school at Taco Bell. I mean, what is going on here? Well, they announced yesterday that in San Diego County, gyms, restaurants, barber shops, salons, basically every indoor business can have up to 100 or less people in it at a time or 25% capacity to the general 100% they could usually have when there's no pandemic, whichever's less, and they are allowed to reopen so people can sit down inside a restaurant again, wipe all the dust off the shelves, take the chairs back inside from the tents that you have sitting outside where people are eating, and reopen what should have been already open this entire time. Thankfully, San Diego County has decided to take a step forward where other counties have taken steps back, it seems like, and we have begun the real reopening of our city, and I cannot say how happy I am about this. You can finally go back into a church. Yes, as long as there's less than 100 people, which a lot of these smaller churches are, so that's going to work out for them. I mean, I drove by on Sunday 
and I could see people worshiping outside of a church in the dirt, sitting in chairs, and I was just sad for them. I couldn't believe it was a real thing. You know, whether you're religious or not, you have to respect the dedication of these people who want to spend time praising God, and they'll do it outside in the dirt if they have to, but now they don't have to anymore. Thankfully, San Diego County stepping up to the plate, showing, you know, proving what the example should be for other counties out there. Let's move forward with everyone else and get this done so that sooner or later we can go back to a maximum capacity allowed indoors anywhere and then we'll just forget this whole year even happened. 2020 has been a dumpster fire. Everyone agrees with me. It's just, can we just forget about it? Can we can we go 2019 on the calendars and then 2021 and just have a big black X on 2020? No memories were made. Nothing good happened. It's all garbage. Let's skip it. It's over. We're all, We're in the home stretch. We're in, you know, month nine of this year of crap. And I cannot wait for it to end. Yay! Well, this story's hilarious. The internet is all abuzz because this woman who was married to this man all the way up until March of 2017 noticed that in the New York Times, he made an announcement about his wedding to a woman who he had supposedly been with since January of 2017. Now, that's crazy because, according to her, he was still married to her then, and they didn't even divorce until the next year in 2018. So this is just... News to her as well as knowledge now that she was being cheated on by her husband. And this this is just a crazy way to find that out. She's reading an article. He's talking about how he was in love with this woman he's about to marry. And all these things about her made him so happy. And he's known her since this specific time. And he's known he wanted to be with her forever since this specific date. And the dates that he's describing are dates that he was still married to this woman who's reading the article. She's like mind blown about this. She can't even believe that he's not only announcing and professing his love to the world of this new woman he's going to marry, but he even stated that it was his first marriage. He's never he's never been married before. He can't wait for his first and only wife when the woman reading this article knows that that's a flat out lie because she already was his wife. I mean, imagine finding some stuff out like that, not to mention the fact that she she never thought that they had any real issues. She didn't even understand why they got a divorce to begin with. Just out of nowhere, randomly, he decided it wasn't working out with them and he wanted a divorce. He never gave her a real reason, never really told her if he had been cheating on her or not, never answered the question truthfully, however. And here's proof that yes, he was cheating on you. In fact, he met this woman at a gym, a typical scenario. He went to work out, leaving his wife at home, met a new girl, told her he wasn't married, told her he didn't have a woman, got a divorce on the side behind his new woman's back, and didn't tell his original wife that he found a new girl who he eventually wanted to marry. I mean, this is like a movie. 
They will make this into a script, I guarantee. Expect to see this in theaters next year, or whenever theaters are a thing again, because right now they're just like empty shells or one to two people per day probably enter in them. And I don't know why they would even try and reopen with all this stupid crap happening. Either way, this story is hilarious. Also sad, but Twitter has gone nuts about it. People have been saying their opinion, and some people are even saying some crazy stuff, like kneecaps meet a crowbar, as in they would bash this guy's legs for what he has done. I don't know if he's done anything 100% wrong if he didn't tell his first wife that he wasn't cheating on her. You know, if he if he didn't lie about that, I mean, he should have told her that he fa- he met somebody else 100%. But if she didn't ask, like, I don't know what their relationship was. Maybe they didn't speak by the time they were deciding it was, it was good time for a divorce. Maybe they didn't live together at all or didn't see each other and just, you know, mutually agreed to sign the papers and move on. But according to the woman who read the article about her husband cheating on her pretty much with his now soon-to-be new wife, she did not know anything was wrong, thought they were happily married, said they were best friends, and her whole life got flipped upside down, and now she knows why. Because he met a girl at a gym. (laughs) Crazy. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett Podcast that you have certainly been anticipating with great anticipation. And that is Real Stories. Brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecuesion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when I almost got a practice home run ball from Ken Griffey Jr. himself at the Kingdome in Seattle, Washington. Yes, a place that no longer exists. It was demolished. But when I was a kid, I only went to one baseball game before I became an adult and started going on my own. One game, that was it. And it was with my friend and his dad and his dad's friend and some family of theirs, whatever. I I never went with my own family. They weren't into baseball. They didn't want to go all the way up to Seattle from Portland, Oregon in a... You know, what surely would have been a four or five hour trip and then maybe a couple hours of the game and then all the way back. Nobody wanted to do that except me. So I only got the opportunity when I was really young and my friend Nick Ramsdell brought me with him and his family all the way up to the Kingdome. I was, it was a dream come true. I wanted to go to this place so bad And I kind of knew, I didn't know 100%, they hadn't announced it yet, but I kind of had a feeling that they were going to get rid of the kingdom. It was a dilapidated mess, and they just needed to get a new stadium built for for the Mariners to play, and eventually they came out with Safeco Field which it might not even have that same name anymore. I think think it still has the name Safeco Field, but either way, new field is amazing. Been there a few times, so top-notch. I mean... Known around the league as a great place to play. But the Kingdome, man, it was falling apart. And at the time, the Mariners had a fantastic team. They obviously had Ken Griffey Jr. They had the up-and-coming prospect, now known to the world as A-Rod. But back then was Alex Rodriguez, Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Randy Johnson on the mound. I mean, this team 
was stacked with amazing players. So I was super excited. I could not wait to get out there. We got out there early so that we could see these guys going through batting practice before the game. And back then, I don't know if they still do it now, but back then they would smash practice home runs and just let the children running around the stadium keep the balls that they collected. And one of the times that we were out there in, I think, right field, we were like right past the right field wall, just kind of moping around, you know, checking out the kingdom. We hadn't been there before. And I was so excited, like nothing could nothing could ruin my excitement. There was an old older guy, maybe about 40, who was out there collecting home run balls. And he already had like three. This guy, he was like a master of collecting the balls. He was jumping over chairs, you know, just diving, pushing people out of their way. Speaking of which, a ball smashed by Ken Griffey Jr. himself sails into the sky, and I'm watching it come directly towards me. I mean, this is a slow motion, like dream come true moment. I got my mitt with me. We all brought our mitts. We couldn't wait to hopefully catch a home run ball or a foul ball in our actual seats when the game started. And we were super excited. Like, we were kids. We we played baseball. I played every day. I lived for baseball. I collected the cards. I knew all the players. I knew their stats. I knew everything about baseball 100%. And I could not wait to get this ball as it sailed across the sky in my direction. And I was ready to get it. And it dropped only one row in front of me. And there was not, it seemed like there was nobody around me. The other kids I was with, they were, you know, about 20, 30 feet away, expecting the ball to go somewhere else at that time or not paying attention. And I begin this very short trek of like 10 feet to get to this ball that had just dropped, that had just been smashed by Ken Griffey Jr. himself. And what happens... But the guy who had already collected three balls pushes me out of his way. 100% pushes down a little kid. Just like tosses me. Elbow to my chest and shoulder. Knocks me out of the way. Dives down. Jumps the 10 feet that was where the ball was in front of me. Collapses on it. Picks it up. And then without looking at me, because he's probably embarrassed that he just pushed a little boy walks away with it, and my dreams were shattered. My heart sank. Everything I had ever wanted to happen was about to happen before I even witnessed my first baseball game. I was going to collect a home run ball from Griffey himself, the most known baseball player at the time by far, one of the most worldwide recognized baseball players ever, especially in my era of being a young player myself and fan of the game. And this guy straight up knocked me over to get the baseball. I yelled at him. I'm cussing at him as he walks away. My friends come over. They're like, what happened? I'm like, this guy literally pushed me out of the way to get a home run ball from Griffey. Like, I'm searching for the guy later in the game. I'm seeking him out. So I can bitch him out face to face. He was like, he disappeared as fast as he did appear. He was like, he came out of nowhere, shoves me, grabs a ball, and then boom, he's gone in the blink of an eye. 
I mean, what kind of sick and twisted adult destroys the dreams of a young child to get himself the third or fourth ball that he's collected that day because he's the only grown man out there chasing after home run balls from the practice hitting of the of the batters. I mean, what kind of messed up individual does this? This guy was a pile of crap, and I'll never forget that day. To this day, I've been to probably 20, maybe 25 baseball games. I've been to Safeco Field in Seattle, AT&T Park in San Francisco, and of course, many, many games at Petco Park here in San Diego. Have I ever come even close to getting a foul ball, a home run practice ball, anything like that ever again? No, never has a ball come anywhere near my seat from that point on the rest of my life. And I, I feel like it's never going to happen. And that's always been kind of a dream of mine, but it's not going to happen. And it's because of that guy who pushed down a little boy and shattered his dreams. How messed up. Lesson to be learned here is realize that some adults are scumbags. Thank you for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope you have a fantastic afternoon. Get out there. Enjoy your day. Out here in San Diego right now, there's like an overcast. It's almost foggy, but I'm sure it's going to clear up by noon, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Now, I still to this day have never got a home run, foul ball, any type of ball hit from a Major League Baseball player to me in the stands. And it's been like in the top five of my bucket list dreams. And a wise man once said, dream on, dream on, dream until your dreams come true. And that man was Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. And for him and a tribute to that band, I'm going to play the song Dream On by Aerosmith. And hopefully someday I'll fulfill the dream of mine of getting that ball hit from an MLB player to my glove in the stands.
and learn from fools and from sages.